Good morning, Shiloh. Good morning, Shiloh out there. Welcome. My name is Ed Hires. I'm one of the pastors here at Shiloh Community Church, and we, are, uh, we have started last week a series called A Summer, Our Summer Playlist. And it's concentrating on the Psalms, which are songs written, you know, centuries ago. And we're going to kind of link some of them together. Obviously, can't cover them all. And kind of create a, a playlist for you to ponder in this uh, New England summertime. So the psalmist cries out in Psalm 80, Revive us, and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine upon us, that we may be saved. That prayer, how many of you have ever prayed a prayer and you had to wait a while for it to come around? All right, yes, one more time, wake up. All right, more hands, I like it. All right, so, so this prayer that King David prayed took 1,000 years. He wasn't around, but 1,000 years to be answered. But here's a question. What about this God that David cries out to? What, what was he like? Well, even a, a, he was a reviver. That's what we're going to deal with a little bit today. He was a reviver. We know that by reading the Word. And by the way, a reviver is someone who restores life, someone who gives strength and energy. So another question, I think it's even more important, how does this reviver feel about you and about me? How committed is he to filling this role of being a reviver? How far will he go to do that? Well, you may wonder, why is the worship team still up here? Uh, Well, I've asked them if they would help me by starting this message with a song, a song that I love. And I'm going to ask you a couple things. Number one, please don't stand during the song. Okay, I want you to just sit there. And another strange thing is, don't sing, but listen to the words and watch the words up on the screen and let them sink into you. Now, I will tell you, in the first service, I'm going to go sit down while they play. About midway through, I found myself singing quietly. So I stopped. But I'm going to tell you, I know how hard this is. So if you want to kind of mumble the song along, I'm not looking. No judgment. All right? And, And this song is all about this God, this reviver that we are blessed with because he has this amazing Reckless love. So, so kind to me. 
every time I hear it. I love some of the lyrics. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You have been so, so kind to me. Do you know that our God is a kind God? 
I don't know we always picture this supreme being as being kind, but he's a kind God. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down, fights till I'm found, and leaves the 99. See, I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Not gave yourself away. You give yourself away. When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You have been so, so kind to me. But here's the part I really love. These are the ones I just, I love to hear. There's no shadow you won't light up, no mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, no lie you won't tear down coming after me. Now, I love those because it gives us an image of a God who is so in love with you that he will do anything, anything to bring you back, to get you, to, to bless you. So sometimes I'm a little weird, but when I sing this song and I sing those particular verses, you know what comes to mind? Yes! So remember the old, my dad can beat up your dad? Come on. We got a father that just can kick anything down the road. So, you know I love trivia, right? So we're going to go right back to the message. Just a little break here. In the television series, which was called the... Oh. One more time. Called the... The Hulk. That's right. And the Hulk, when he wasn't the Hulk, he was just the human being. What was his name? Yes. And his, his name, it used to be Bruce Banner before the television. They added the word David to it. So David Bruce Banner. And who can remember who played the human being? Not the, not the big one. Who played the human being? Yes. Wow, I told the first service, the second service would never get it. But you did. That's, you're, in fact, you got it quicker than they did. So you're, uh, you're, uh, you're ahead. So the Bible repeat, repeatedly tells us of God's willingness to go after and fight anything in your life, keeping you from walking in his grace and his mercy. And this is a critical point that I'm going to try and bring home really strongly today and have you walk out of here with, that that statement is as much for you who are saved, who knew, know Christ as your Savior, that chasing down, that climbing mountains, that knocking everything down that comes against you is as much for you. God is chasing you after you're saved, just like he chases those that are not saved, which takes us to the title of our message today, Revived or Deprived. So we started with Psalm 80. I'm going to tell you a a funny story. So we decided as elders to do this series on Psalms. So I totally forgot that, which you should not do as a pastor of a church. And, and I got this other message that God gave me, and I'm all excited about it. I've got it written down. I mentioned to the elders, I already got my message. And, and then Steve Hammes calls me. He did the first week of the series. And he says, hey, do we have a, a, a template, a PowerPoint template for our Psalm series? I said, oh, no. When's it starting? 
<laughs> he says, this Sunday, which was last Sunday. And I thought, oh, I can't create another message. So I go back to the message, and guess what like 90% of the scriptures I had in the message were from? Yes, Psalms. God loves me. All right. So David cries out to God, revive us, restore us, and him specifically. But David, when he did that, was fully aware of God's love. The reality of God was well known to David. God had spoken directly to David through his prophets. And God went on to say something that is just amazing. He said, David is a man after my own heart. And yet, David would need to be revived over and over again. And with all that knowledge of God, with all that direct connect with him, with all the blessings, after he came to that awareness, he would still sin. And when David sinned, I mean he sinned. All right, so just a couple, he decides he wants another man's wife, so he causes her to commit adultery. And then she's pregnant. He gets her pregnant. And then he decides he's going to have to kill her husband so that he can keep the relationship with her. Now, not only, come on, that's like at the upper level of sin, right? That's, That's pretty significant. But here's the worst thing. It's written in the Bible for everyone to read. How about your sin? Would you like to have it in the Bible so everyone can read it? Probably not. Okay. And yet, after all that, after all that, God still revives David. And he still says he's a man after his own heart. So let's look at these these two words from the title. Revive means, we talked about this already, restored to life, given strength uh, or energy. And deprived means, this is a key verb or key definition, suffering a lack of a specified benefit that is considered important. So that's going to play a significant role. One is life-giving. One is life-robbing. So here is a, a, a statement that's as true as any true statement. Jesus is a reviver. Satan is a depriver. Jesus comes, and I want to again emphasize, not came, Jesus comes to restore your life and my life. He keeps coming to give you strength and to give you energy. Satan comes, not just came, okay, to rob you of this God-given life and makes you feel like you are lacking something so special so specific and important. And and what is that benefit that he is attempting to deprive you of? And I'll tell you what it is. It's the fact that God's overwhelming, overwhelming, never-ending love is for you always. You know, when I was putting this together, the reason I wanted to not have to not do this message, sometimes God just dumps. I'm not thinking about it, and this whole message just comes to me, which was one of these. And I felt God just say to me, someone or maybe some ones need to hear this today. And, And if you're listening, either here or out there, I believe for some, or at least one, this is an important day because God wants you to know, wants you to know that he is a reviver. 
He's here to revive you today. And guess what? And tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and every day until you go home with him where you'll be in his presence and it'll be constantly revival. And here's the important thing about you. You're not someone who doesn't know Jesus. You're not a person who hasn't been blessed by God. You're not someone who hasn't experienced God's grace and mercy, but you have somehow slipped into living a deprived life because you're listening to the depriver, not the reviver. One is life-giving, one is life-robbing. And just so we put a a scripture, so we know this is solidly based on the Word of God, John 10.10 says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. My purpose, Jesus speaking, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. He is a reviver. See, you and I should never underestimate the fact that we have a personal enemy, and he wants to do all those things that we read in that scripture. But even more importantly, you must never forget that you have a God who is greater and has already won your battles for you, already won your battles for you, past, present, and future. Psalm 118.5 says, When hard-pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. You see, when you're listening to the depriver, your world becomes confined. You become focused on yourself and on your shortcomings, on your failings, as he talks to you about those. However, when we realize and accept God's unmerited love and mercy, our lives seem spacious. Our lives have outward focus, outward orientation, not inward. Psalm 81, I took the world off your shoulders, freed you from a life of hard labor. You called to me in your pain. I got you out of a bad place. I answered you from where the thunder hides. I love that. From where the thunder, God hides the thunder somewhere so he can bring it out when he wants it. He does the same thing with lightning. Come on, that's pretty cool. God knows where the thunder is. That scripture, Psalm 81, is that what you believe about you? Is that what you're experiencing? Is that what you're trusting God for? See, regardless of whether you are or not, He's still chasing you down because he loves you. He wants you to be revived. He doesn't want you to be deprived. See, when I preach, years and years and years ago, I would preach on a topic that, you know, for whatever reason. And then I got to a point where I realized I can't preach on anything that I haven't had experience with. Something that I can't bring passion into it because I, I can't preach about something I've never experienced. I really don't know what people are going through. I can't do theoretical preaching. And, and so in this regard, taking this message, I want to tell you that sometimes Satan tells me everything I'm not. Everything I'm not. Everywhere I fall short. Everything I do that 
supposedly God doesn't like. He condemns me like by saying, hey, you don't pray often enough. You don't pray enough. You know, you don't, you don't spend enough time with me. You don't share the gospel when you have that opportunity. And you think things that I don't want you thinking. And you, you look at things I don't want you looking at. And, and see, he tries to make me think, like you just heard, that it's God speaking to me, saying all these things. He tries to take me out of the plan because when I feel that type of stuff, I, I back up. I'm not, I'm not as comfortable being who God calls me to be because I feel like I'm not worthy to be that. So I don't know about you, but can anybody identify? You don't have to raise your hand, but can anybody identify that? Do you sometimes hear that voice in your head that's telling you all you're not, all you, you can't be, all you, you shouldn't be doing? See, sometimes we can look good on the outside, but sometimes on the inside, the enemy's having a field day with us. We actually believe that God is disappointed with us. You see, faith is many times believing absolutely a truth that is contrary to all the circumstances going on around you. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit want to revive you. That's my message to you today. Satan only wants to deprive you, and we have to choose, you and I, who we are going to listen to. See, if if I were to ask you, I do this sometimes in counseling sessions, But if I were to ask you honestly to tell me your weaknesses, if I said, Nick, tell me your weak, I know Nick, he has a lot of them, so I thought I'd pick on him. That's not true. But if I asked Nick that, I know Nick, he could tell me some places where he has fallen short. You have to have a trust and an openness. And even then, probably wouldn't tell me some of them. But if I said to Nick, Nick, what what are you excellent about in the kingdom? What are you unique? Where do you excel? We have a hard time sometimes answering that question. If we can answer it at all, the list is quite short. And, and that's the enemy attack on us. See, you were made righteous. You do not get righteous. You were made righteous. You don't have anything to do with it. And you stay righteous for the same reason you're made righteous, because you recognize that Jesus is Lord of all. And, and it's not that you find God, by the way. God finds you. When we feel unworthy because of what we do or have done, we totally miss the point of what it means to be in right standing, because right standing with God is purely a gift. It's a gift. You are worthy, saved, loved, and going to heaven all because of what Christ did for you. It has nothing to do with you. All sin before and after salvation is covered by the blood of Christ. God knew you and I would sin after we were saved. He knew that. And how do we know that? Well, we look at Hebrews 7 and there's many scriptures. Therefore, he is able to save completely, save completely those who come to God through him because what? He always lives 
to intercede for them. That intercession is for you and for me because God completely is going to save us. You see, please know that Jesus will always, always let you know when you're going down the wrong path. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. He will always work at bringing you back. That's why he's chasing you. But the whole while he's doing that, you're still righteous. You're still going to heaven. Yes, you fall short. I fall short. Sometimes we fall short repeatedly in the same area. I always say, you know, we're not creative sinners. We usually are very boring. We have one or two areas where we fail, and we t- seem to have a hard time beating that. But, but God's intercession, God's chasing us, it, it always goes on. You're always walking in the kingdom because of what Christ did for you. And why wouldn't God, why wouldn't Jesus intercede for us? Why wouldn't God have him interceding for us? Hebrews 12, 2 says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding the shame. You see, have you ever thought what was the joy waiting for him? It wasn't getting back into heaven. It wasn't being back with the Father. He knew that was coming. The joy was Nick, Tina. The joy was me. The joy was you. The joy was that he would be able to have a love relationship with us that would go on for all eternity. See, being revived versus being deprived has much to do with understanding the heart of the reviver and the heart of the depriver. Jesus never deprives. He always is in your life for the purpose of reviving you. And we need reviving. Satan never revives. He's always in your life trying to deprive you of something God has for you. And and many times, that's this unconditional love that Jesus brought to us through his death and resurrection. See, we are not free from ever sinning again in our lives. That isn't what we're free from. We are free from the guilt and the condemnation that the depriver tries to dump on us when we do sin. But if we don't understand this amazing freedom from sin and also understand we don't end up having to live a sin-free life, we many times have difficulty sharing this freedom with anyone else. So let's talk about a few things. Are you caught up in an adulterous affair right now? Is this something that's going on in your life? Well, let me tell you, in the midst of all this, God has never stopped loving you, and he never will. You're still saved. You're still a member of God's family, and you're still one of his kids. But here's what he wants. He's chasing you. He wants you to ask him, God, what do I do about this? You know, I want to, how do I get free of it? See, he'll replace that love you had for your wife. And you may say, oh, that would be a miracle. Yeah, he's in that business. Are you trapped in pornography? Well, you know, God has never stopped loving you. You're very much still saved. You're still a member of God's family. You're one of his kids. But do you know that whoever you're looking at, he or she, did you know that God loves them too? Do you know that he wants the very best from them and he, for them and he doesn't want you 
getting involved in a bondage for them every time you click that button? That's what you're voting for? See, he forgives you, and he wants to free you from that sin, and he will. Just ask him. He knows all about it. There's nothing you can hide from him. But just ask him. He's chasing you, wanting you to ask him. So what else? Is it anger in your life, fear, jealousy? What is it? He still loves you. You're still going to heaven. You're still one of his kids. Just ask him. He'll hear that prayer because he loves you more than you could ever know. Psalm 84, how blessed all those in whom you live whose lives become roads you travel. They wind through lonesome valleys. We go through tough times, but we come upon brooks, springs, pools, brimming with rain. God traveled these roads. I'm going to put the word always. Always curve up the mountain. And at the last turn, Zion, God in full view. See, God is the God of the second chance, but he's also the God of the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, and as many chances as we need. Now, my religion that I grew up in taught me just the opposite. It taught me that when I sin, I need to confess that sin, but I am going to suffer when I die because I have a period of time I have to go through to get purified from the sin that I committed while I was here on earth. That's a lie. That's a total lie. See, God is not that kind of God. He's an amazing, loving, and forgiving God. Psalm 85, you lifted the cloud of guilt from your people. You put their sins far out of sight. One of God's amazing traits is that he shows us perfect mercy. Mercy defined is freeing us from the guilt and condemnation even though we don't deserve it. It means being kind and good. I want to go back to that. I serve, you serve a kind God. You know, people love kind people. Kind people are just people you want to be around. God is a kind God. Mercy is being kind to people who don't deserve it. So are you struggling today to experience God's mercy and his love? because of the choices you have made or are making, I want you to know, take heart. That overwhelming love of God, that reviving love of God is coming your way. It's with you now. He will give you the ability to get out of this whole sense of actions or feelings that you're going through that somehow put this condemnation and the fact you're disappointing God. He'll give you the strength and the energy to overcome it just ask. Stop listening to the depriver, the voice that accuses you, the voice that says you're a phony, you're a hypocrite. If only people knew what I really did, if only people knew what I think. God knows them all, loves you, still saved, still going to heaven. Psalm 119 says, my soul, my mind, my emotions, they cleave to the dust. Revive me according to your word. So listen to me now on this one, because you've got to pay attention, otherwise you might misunderstand. Sin does not separate us from the love of God. Oh, wait a minute. I know a scripture. I know. Okay, I know that scripture too. It doesn't separate us from the love of God once we're saved. But our enemy would love to make you feel like it does. 
because he is the great depriver. Psalm 86, you're well known as good, forgiving, big-hearted to all who ask for help. Pay attention, God, to my prayer. Bend down and listen to my cry for help. Every time I'm in trouble, I call on you. I call on you what? Confident that you'll answer. I love Nicky Gumbel's uh, explanation of this. He said when it says bend down, did you ever, you know, have your, if you have children, did you ever have a little child, maybe three, four years old, and they're sobbing or crying, you don't know what's going on? And you, what do you do? As a, as a dad, I would lean down, what's up, honey? What's going on? What's wrong? <laughs> and they would kind of whisper to you what's going on. See, that's what God does to us when we're going through stuff. Now, just so there's no mistake, do we need to acknowledge sin in our lives? Yes, we do. Do we need to be aware of and acknowledge areas where we fall apart? Yes, we do. Do we need to be sorry for them and ask for God's forgiveness? Of course we do. But I want to tell you that if you don't understand that God knows where you fall short, loves you, chases after you, is a kind God, you will not be able to have victory to the degree God wants you to have victory. It won't come as soon or as quick. See, sin is no match for the power of God's love, his grace, and his mercy. I love the way Paul says it in Romans. I don't have this up there. Romans 5 says, All that passing laws against sin did was produce lawbreakers. But sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. When it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. All sin can do is threaten us with death, and that's the end of it. Grace, because God is putting everything together again through the Messiah, invites us into life, a life that goes on and on and on world without end. See, God will fight against everything that is keeping you from realizing and experiencing his love, mercy, and grace. And that, my Christian brothers and sisters, is a God I want to be close to, a God I can come to and share my deepest thoughts, feelings, and guess what? My secrets. Knowing all he wants is for me to be more and more what he created me to be. And I become that through his love, his mercy, and his grace. So steps to being revived. As you know, there has to be three, because that's what you get taught when you do messages. It has to be three, so here's three. First of all, remember everything God has done for you. Remember the days when God was so real and alive in your life. Remember the things he's doing today, the little things that you don't even recognize where God is blessing you. Number two, trust in his amazing love. Trust in his amazing acceptance and forgiveness. Believe, trust that God loves you. He's crazy about you. And he knows everything you're doing. And he's crazy about you. And believe what the Bible says about you. Look, if you can't get that voice in your head to stop, which I can sometimes, I go to God's word and I let God talk to me through his word. And I let him tell me I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. I go through that. I go through that. And I find 
that God promises to strengthen me. He promises to prosper me, not to harm me. All the different scriptures that I have written down that I, I just, and I want you to know this, it is God speaking to you. See, God doesn't love what you think you should be. He loves who you are, what you are, sin and all. And that kind of love, that kind of God, makes turning from feelings of guilt and shame possible. In fact, it makes it more than possible. It makes it guaranteed by his grace and his mercy and his love. I don't know if you're the someone or you're part of the someones, but when we allow the sense of our shortcomings to to come into our lives at any level, we miss the great life God has you to live. And you know what else? Others miss it too. Because you have a hard time sharing the freedom of God's unconditional love when you're not feeling it. When you're sensing God's disappointed with me, God loves you. God chases you down. Not a mountain you won't climb. Not a lie you won't tear down. Coming after you, not just before you're saved, but after you're saved. We need him to revive us. Father, I thank you today. Father, you love me. Hard, hard as that is sometimes for me to understand, you love me. You chase me. You just want to scoop me up. You're kind. You're good. Oh, Father God, that is a God I can so easily repent to. Your love, your love brings us to repentance. It draws us to you. And we find that forgiveness, that mercy, that grace. Help us today, everyone listening to this, Lord, to just realize how much you love us. You know full, you know everything about us. You love us as we turn to you, as we come into that kindness and that total acceptance and forgiveness. Then we find our ability to be freed from the things that rob us of life. We are freed from the depriver being able to tell us things that are not from your heart. So Father, I pray. I pray that as people leave here today or go on about their day, that you would just just pick them up bend down, listen to, because that's who you are. That's the kind of father you are. I thank you for this. I give you praise, Jesus. Without your blood, none of this is possible. I ask all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hopefully you will find a cool place to hang out today and tomorrow and be blessed. Be blessed. If you need ministry of any kind, please come up. Love to pray with you.